Thanks for tuning in to this Journey Bible Church sermon podcast. Join us every week for fresh sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you are looking for a church in the Kansas City metro, come check out one of our church's campuses for worship on Sundays. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. through 5-2. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up to us, for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hey, buddy, you want to pray with me? Do you want to start us? Dear God, thank you for everything and everybody. And God, we just, we come to you with hearts full of thanksgiving. Um, We are thankful that you bring us together as your body. We are thankful for how your spirit works. And God, we just pray that we would see your spirit working here today, that you would work individually in each of us and just um, in us as a community. Unite us, Lord, in your gospel. And we just, we have nothing but thankfulness, Lord. We are so thankful to be called your children. Um, Did you want to close us out? And all God's children said, Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Um, well, it's, it's great to be at uh, Journey West this morning. Um, as you can probably tell, I am not Pastor Colton. Um, I'm Mark Dodd, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you. I'm, I'm the care pastor here at Journey Bible Church. Um, and I'm happy to step in and fill in today. And I know that the circumstances we wish were different. Um, I got a text on Friday morning from Chris Tatham um, telling me about the circumstances. And uh, man, we've been praying a lot for Colton and Kristen and for baby Cade. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know that we just spent time in prayer Um, I want to lead us again in prayer just for this family. Um, I don't have really any new updates. Um, What I've heard that Cade is doing about as well as he can be doing, given the circumstances. So we praise God for that. Praise God that he is alive. And praise God that we have modern technology and doctors and nurses that are able to keep babies alive. Amen. When they are born prematurely. Um, That is a gift of God's grace, I believe. Um, so I want to just pray again for Colton and Kristen, for Riley, for Cora, for Cade. Um, so would you just join me in prayer again? Father God, we praise you that you are over all and through all and in all. 
There is nothing that is too difficult for you to do. And so, Father, in your mercy, we ask that you would continue to sustain Cade's life. God, we ask that he would grow, that he would be healthy, that he would be strong. God, thank you that, that we do live in a day and age where we have doctors and nurses and medical equipment that can help keep babies alive even when they're born prematurely. So, Father, we praise you for your mercy and your grace that you have shown to this family. We pray, we pray Lord, that you would continue, God, to, to withhold and sustain Cade's life. And, Father, we pray for Colton, we pray for Kristen, that, God, that they would be able to rest. Pray, God, that you would give them the strength that they need to, to care for Riley, to care for Cora, uh, while they're juggling visits to the NICU. God, be with Kristen and her recovery. God, we're so thankful for the Tatham family, for how you called them to, to help launch Journey West. And God, for the many ways that they strengthen our church body. So Lord, in your, in your mercy, we ask that you would hear our prayer and you would bless them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to, to be here this week as, as we unpack uh, this text that Ashley uh, just read for us. And so last week, if you were here, we, we looked at a passage that talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And we, and we saw that the old self is characterized by ignorance, by, by alienation from God, by hardness of hearts, by lust by impurity. We're going to put that off and we're going to put on the new self, which Paul describes as it's, it's a life characterized by communion with God, by righteousness, by holiness. We're to put on that new self. And in this passage, in this week, Paul speaks more specifically about the kinds of sinful actions that we are to put off. And in replace, as we replace those sinful actions, he also talks about the kinds of character that we should have, the kind of holy and righteous activity that we should engage in. And so last week at the main campus, I made the arguments that putting on the new self is a daily choice. It requires daily habits. That's not to say that we become Christians every single day. It's not like uh, the, the Christian version of the movie Groundhog Day, right? It's what I mean is we have the choice every day when we wake up. Am I going to walk according to my new identity in Christ or not? And so putting on the new self is, is a daily thing. Now, I want to distinguish that because there is a moment when we first come to Jesus and we surrender to Jesus, we put on Christ. In that moment, our position before God changes. Before that moment when God looks at us, he sees our sin. Our sin is exposed because we're not covered by the righteousness of Jesus. But when we come to Jesus, when we surrender to Jesus, in that moment, the righteousness of Jesus is applied to you. His blood covers your sin so that when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. 
he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus, covering your sin. And that's a one-time thing. It's not like you have to redo that process every time that you sin. But putting on the new self, walking in our new identity, walking according to who God has called us to be, that does require daily habits and daily rhythms. But here's the cool thing. The new self that is given to us in Jesus never grows old, never fades, never gets outdated. The new self that Jesus gives to you is totally secure. And it's interesting, when when we compare that to what we see in our culture and how we operate in our culture, it's like the total opposite. Everything in our culture gets outdated really fast, right? Like, iPhones become cooler every year, right? Like, it's a year before it goes by before you're like, oh man, I, I need a newer and better gadget. Or TVs become crisper and clearer. I need to upgrade my TV. Uh, for me, so one of the things when I was growing up that kind of blew my mind, and, and by now it's totally outdated. We never talk about this anymore. But as a kid, when it came out, I was like, this is going to change the world. Like the world will never be the same again, okay? For me, it was DVDs, okay? Like, I remember as a kid, when my dad brought home the very first DVD, okay? It was U.S. Marshals with Wesley Snipes, Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know if anybody remembers that movie. But my dad brought it home, and I remember looking at it just like, what is this amazing? <laughs> what, what is this? And, and I, I remember taking the disc out, right? And, I, and we had a gateway computer back in the day, right? Anybody remember those gateway computers? Okay, so I put the DVD into the disk drive of the gateway computer, and I watched U.S. Marshals. And I remember sitting there as a kid being like, this is the future. This is it. We've arrived. And it was. It was the coolest thing in the world for like two seconds, right? And then we moved past it. Then Blu-rays came out. And when Blu-rays came out, I'm like, what? Like, it got even crisper? What? But now even Blu-rays. Like, nobody buys Blu-rays. Everybody streams now. Everything gets outdated so fast. Things that we thought were going to change the world 20 years ago, like nobody talks about anymore. But when you compare that to what we've been given in Christ, what Christ has given us will never become outdated It'll never grow old. There's never, ever a time where you're going to have to trade that in for something better. What Jesus gives us is secure for all time. That's pretty cool, right? Our job then as Christians is to learn to live in light of our new identity. To swap out our old sinful patterns with holy and righteous character. And actions. And if we're going to be a healthy church, this is something that we have to do together. So, as we look at this text, we're going to see that a healthy church walks together, replacing the old with the new. And so, to help us kind of unpack this text, I'm, I'm going to offer five. Suggestions, five replacements 
five ways that we are to replace the old with the new. And I'm gonna, we're just going to walk straight through this text. We're going to pull these right from the text. It's going to be pretty simple. Uh, but I hope that it will be an encouragement to you uh, as we walk through the text. So the first replacement I want to suggest to you is that we replace destructive lies with constructive truth. And I'm pulling that from Ephesians 4, verse 25. It says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Speaking the truth is essential for a healthy community. If we are members of one another, it's crucial that we speak the truth to one another. So what does this look like in the context of community? Well, let me offer a couple suggestions. Number one, we don't hide the truth. We don't hide the truth. So picture this, you're in a journey group and maybe you have like a breakout where guys and girls break out into your separate discussion groups, maybe for some accountability. And, and maybe, maybe you're at a point where your marriage is not in the best place. Maybe there's been some, some, some difficulties and you guys have not been able to overcome those. And let's say in that breakout group, somebody asks you the question, hey man, how's your marriage? Now in that moment, if you were to say, everything is great, my marriage is awesome, no problems whatsoever. Maybe the guys or the girls in your group would be able to tell you're lying, or maybe they, they would accept that and be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's move on. But because you hide the truth in that moment, you deprive the community of healing that needs to take place. Rather, when someone in your journey group were to ask you, man, how's your marriage going? The truth would be to say, you know what? We're kind of in a rough patch right now and we're trying to work things out, but we, we just can't get past this thing. Now, you've opened the door for the community, for the people of God to come around you and to support you and to help you grow, to help you heal. And the whole community gets better for that. But if we lie, if we hide the truth, the community suffers. So we don't hide the truth. The other thing is that we don't stay silent about the truth. We don't stay silent about the truth. If we see untruth being embraced, we call it out in love. So let's say you were to ask somebody, maybe they just came to Christ, and you were to ask them, hey, and maybe they're wanting to get baptized, and you were to ask them, hey, why is it that you want to get baptized? And if they were to say, I want to get baptized because I want God to love me. If you were to stay silent, you are robbing them of an opportunity to hear the truth. Right? What they need to hear in that moment in love is, you know, here's the cool thing. Baptism actually isn't about you earning God's love. The cool thing is that God's love's already been given to you. There's no earning it anymore. Baptism is a response to God's love. It's a response of obedience as a gentle correction calling them back to embrace the truth. So when we see untruth being embraced in any, any pocket, 
we lovingly call it out and we call people back to the truth. We don't let it go unaddressed. If we hear anything contrary to God's word, we speak the truth in love. A healthy community speaks the truth. So we don't hide the truth. We don't stay silent about the truth. Second replacement. We replace sinful anger with intentional reconciliation. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Reconciliation keeps the devil at bay. Now, Paul is not saying that we shouldn't be angry. Anger is a natural human emotion. There's a place for anger. But we are not to let anger lead us to a place of sin. Sinful anger leads to things like rage, to verbal attacks, to gossip, to slander. Anger that drifts into sin becomes destructive. Instead, in our anger, we are to seek reconciliation. If we go to sleep with unresolved anger, the problem is that we carry that anger with us into the next day. We give the devil an opportunity to continue to attack with unresolved anger. You've probably experienced this, maybe in your marriage, maybe with a roommate. We don't always do this perfectly. Some nights you go to bed angry. And man, when you go to bed with unresolved anger, or unresolved conflict, it's not fun. You probably don't get the best night's sleep that night. You might even have bad dreams, like man, it's, it messes with you. But when we're able to move toward one another and reconcile and, and to seek peace with one another, we don't give an opportunity to the devil to continue to attack. How much better is it when we're able to reconcile with one another before we go to sleep? Amen? The third replacement, we replace damaging theft with honest labor. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work, with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Christians are to work hard so they can make a living for themselves, yes. But for Paul, the primary purpose of honest labor is so that you can also provide for the needs of others. In God's economy, giving should be the motivation for getting. Giving should be the motivation for getting. A healthy church works together to share their resources, to provide for the poor. This was a hallmark of the early church in Acts. This is something that Paul addresses in his letters on a frequent basis. Uh, you know, in, in my role um, as care pastor, one of the things that I get to do 
and it's one of my favorite things I get to do, is oversee our benevolence fund. And man, over the past year or so, I've been able to interact with all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, been able to pray with lots of different people, been able to share the gospel with different kinds of people. It's just, you never know who's going who's gonna to reach out to you. And it's one of the things I love about my job. Two nights ago, I had to make a late night Walmart run. And it had been a long day. I was tired. I didn't want to go, but I had to go at late night. So I got my stuff, checked out, and I'm walking out to my car. And a young woman, this is probably around 11 o'clock at night, a young woman approaches me. And she says, hey, my sister and I and my one-year-old daughter are trying to find a hotel for the night. Do you have any spare change you could help us out with? And I had about $9 on me. And so I said, yeah, here you go. So I gave her $9. And I said, have a good night. And I got in my car, and I started to drive away. And as I was driving away, I thought about our church. And I thought about my role as care pastor. And I thought about the resources that we have as a church to bless those in need. And as I was driving away, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me was, Mark, you can do more than that. And so I turned my car around, I drove back to the parking lot, and I found this young woman. And I just asked her to share a little bit more of her story with me. What I found out was that they recently moved to Kansas City from Texas. They were in a bad situation, um, and they're, they're, like, desperately looking for a place to stay. They both, her and her sister both got jobs, but they hadn't got their first paycheck yet. And so they're just trying to make it, right? So there's this gap of time to when they get their first paycheck. It's about a week. And so I was able to pay for a hotel for them for a week. And... It absolutely, they couldn't comprehend what was happening. When I said, hey, I'd love to bless you and, and put you in a hotel. They, they could not comprehend that kind of generosity. And what I love to say about benevolence is that benevolence is an opportunity for people to experience the love of God through the generosity of the church. And I, I am confident that they experienced that a couple of nights ago was able to take them to a gas station and fill up, their, fill up their tank for them so that they don't have any issues getting to and from work this week. Was able to get them food. And they, um, they, were, they, they didn't have words. <laughs> they were so overwhelmed by that kind of generosity. But there was a moment where I was tempted to drive away and to not bless them. And I felt like in the moment that I would have been robbing them of an opportunity to experience God's love for them. So we are to replace damaging theft with honest labor so that we can bless others, so that we can be generous. Fourth replacement. We replace tear-down talk with build-up talk. Ephesians 4, 29 to 30 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, 
that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It isn't just that we should avoid corrupting talk. It's that our words have the opportunity to bring God's grace to people. Now, with that said, we definitely should avoid corrupt talk. Things like gossip have no place in the church. If we're going to be a healthy community, we've got to get rid of that stuff. Um, Scott Sauls, he's a, he's a pastor um, that, I, that I really have learned a lot from, and, and he says this about gossip. And he kind of puts it bluntly, so here it goes. He says, gossip is pornography of the mouth because it seeks the same thing that a lustful fantasy seeks, a cheap thrill at another's expense while making zero efforts to connect with or commit to that person. It dehumanizes, turning them into a thing to be used. That'll preach right there. So we're to put off corrupt talk and use our words to build one another up. Verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean? That's an interesting thought there. Like, how do we make sense of that? Uh, N.T. writes um, helps us unpack this. He says, the word that Paul uses could refer to the seal or official stamp on a document or a package, marking it out for a particular use or occasion. The mark indicates who it belongs to and what it's for. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the community and in the heart of the individual Christian declares that we belong to God and that we are destined for full redemption. So if we have been marked with the Spirit and we have been sealed for redemption, think how much it would grieve the Spirit when our conduct does not reflect the love of God or the kindness of Jesus. When our life is out of step with who God has called us to be, that is what grieves the spirits. The Holy Spirit does not put his seal on us for us to continue in our old manner of life. He puts his seal on us to show us that we belong to God, that we've been set apart. That's what Paul's getting at. So the fifth replacement, we replace bitter hostility with loving forgiveness. We replace bitter hostility with loving forgiveness. Ephesians 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul names six things that we are to put away. Bitterness, wrath, 
anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Bitterness may be at the front of that list because it comes from a heart that is not right with God. And the primary characteristic of an unregenerate person is bitterness. Bitterness is incompatible with the new life that Jesus has purchased for us. All of the other things that Paul mentioned flow from a heart that has grown bitter toward God. Bitterness produces a resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. And so we are to cast away bitterness and instead we are to put on kindness. We are to put on a tender heart and we are to forgive as Christ forgave us. Thankfully, we have the example of Jesus to look to as we seek to love and forgive one another. Christ's love is generous and it's also sacrificial. If we are to imitate Christ's love to one another, it will require sacrifice. It will require us to die to our old manner of life. The love that Jesus displayed on the cross for us was a fragrant offering to God. When we imitate the life of Jesus, it is a pleasing aroma to God. When we forgive, we let go of bitterness and we allow the love of Jesus to be experienced, not just in us, but also in community. And so we all together are to put away these things and walk in love. But if we hold on to bitterness, if we continue to speak falsely, if we tear one another down with our words, we not only fail to imitate Jesus, we deprive one another of the love that God intends for us to know, to experience. So we're, we are to replace bitter hostility with loving forgiveness. So in conclusion, I wanna offer up a few suggestions for how we might more fully live this out. And so I have three applications. And my encouragement to you is as, as we walk through this list, maybe the Holy Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to show you that's it right there. That's what you need to apply this week. Uh, so just, just, I would ask you, just pray, ask God, man, what, how do I live this out more fully this week? And it may be something that I don't cover here, but just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit how you might more fully walk in your new identity in Jesus this week. But my first suggestion is this, I want to encourage you to be more intentional with your words this week. This could be as simple as sending someone a text message this week to let them know that you're praying for them or to let them know why you're thankful for them. I don't know if you've ever gotten a text message like that. Somebody out of the blue just texting you and say, hey, I love you and here's why I'm thankful for you. Maybe words of affirmation aren't your thing, but my goodness, that's, that's an incredible gift to receive from someone. We have the opportunity 
to speak life to one another with our words. It might be a phone call. It might be calling someone they haven't spoken to in a while and saying, hey, I miss you and, and, I, and I care about you. I'd love to catch up with you this week. If you're a journey group leader, maybe this week text each person in your group and let them know why you're thankful for them. That would be an amazing opportunity for the people in your group to feel cared for this week. Be intentional with your words. That's my first application. Number two, move toward reconciliation, not away from it. And so this may not be the case for everyone here this morning, but in a room this size, I would imagine some of us here this morning, maybe you do feel a little bit of bitterness creeping in toward a particular person in your life. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's somebody that you work with, a roommate. I want to encourage you to take a step toward that person, not away from them. If you're married, it, it, it might mean that you need to reach out to a counselor this week and to say, hey, we have some things that we're trying to work on in our marriage. We can't quite figure it out. Can you help us out? It may mean calling a pastor, asking a pastor to help you walk through that. But be intentional. Take a step toward it. Don't let this, this, this moment where there's maybe a bump in the road, maybe that's creating bitterness, don't let it keep growing. Address it, move toward it, move toward reconciliation. It may require you to confess gossip to a person. Have you gossiped about a person in the last week or two? You may need to move toward that person and confess that to them. Don't let it go unaddressed. Finally, be quick to forgive. I can almost guarantee, I am going to guarantee you that your life is not going to go perfectly this week. There's going to be things that happen this week that you're like, oh, didn't see that coming, right? Like every week. People are going to let you down in some way. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to show kindness when one of your kids screws up. Be quick to show love. Be quick to forgive if a person wrongs you. Choose to love them in that moment. Make the choice. I am not going to let bitterness creep in. I am going to choose love because I want this person to experience God's love. Don't allow the devil an opportunity to sow a seed of bitterness in your heart. Why do we do these things? Because when we do these things, we all get better together. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son to live the life that we could never have lived on our own to die the death that we deserved. Father, we thank you that in Jesus, we have this new identity. We thank you that Jesus has purchased it for us and that there's never ever going to be a moment where we have to exchange it for something better. 
God, thank you that what you have purchased for us in Jesus is secure forever. God, would you help us to live in light of it? Would you help us to embrace our new self, to put off our old sinful patterns, and to walk in love, and to be imitators of Jesus? God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'd appreciate a positive rating and would encourage you to share this program with a friend. Thank you for listening.